0: Thank you for listening, but please, could you pretty please enter my contest? There are lots of easy ways to get entries. Just do one easy thing for one entry, or take the time to do several easy things for several entries. The following will also be posted on the social medias. Rate the show on iTunes for an entry. An additional entry if you comment when you rate on iTunes. Like the prize package photo or the prize announcement post and get an entry for each like on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Share the prize package photo or the prize announcement post and get up to three entries for sharing on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Comment under the Where Are You From post and get up to three entries for commenting on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Not on social media? Send me an email at livingthroughextinction@gmail.com at and put contest entry in the subject line. This is the last episode before the draw. I only put out 24 episodes a year at this point, and the two gaps are closest to January 1st and July 1st. So the next episode will be out on July 14th. What I will be doing on July 1st this year, however, is the draw itself. Anyone have advice on how that should be done? Should it be live on Facebook or Instagram or something? I'm not particularly comfortable with video, but could probably figure something out. Or video someone else doing the draw. That might be an idea. Moving on. Please be advised that I hold no definitive knowledge on the topics that I talk about. Be skeptical and look into things for yourself to confirm the veracity. Please also be aware that I do swear and nothing is bleeped out. So listener discretion is advised. (laughs) Episode 63 of Living Through Extinction, a short to the point podcast with science, skepticism, environment, wildlife, and ways we as people can be better for future generations. Before I get into today's segments, I would like to quickly point something out to everyone. In the opinion written by Justice Alito regarding the abolition of Roe versus Wade, he cited Sir Matthew Hale, a fucking witch trial judge from the 17th century. And not only did he cite a witch trial judge, but he quoted one who is famous for declaring that a husband cannot be prosecuted for raping their wife. I am going to say it again. The opinion for ending Roe versus Wade cites a man who is famous for hanging innocent women as witches and for allowing women to be raped by their husbands. If you don't see it now... If you don't see this for the actual attack on women and girls that it is, where the fuck have you been? Sorry for beginning with a sour note, but this devolution of society, this stepping back into the dark ages that's happening right before our eyes right now, is very serious and very scary. Okay, enough of that for today. If you have joined me before then thank you so much for returning. If this is your first time listening to Living Through Extinction, then welcome. I hope you find it both fun and informative. As I record this, two mass shootings in the U.S. are still very fresh in my mind. I've had back and forth with some of these, they're coming for my guns people, these people who are always saying guns don't kill people, people kill people. They never end well, as every one of them ends up making some sort of threat eventually, and I have zero tolerance for threats of any kind. That always ends the conversation with a block. But it's interesting, isn't it, that all the gun defenders I had these exchanges with ended up threatening violence. This wasn't through the podcast, by the way. These all happened when I was super active on my skeptical sites. Through these personal experiences, and that's what they are, anecdotes, not evidence, my personal experiences have made it seem to me like those who are fighting the hardest to hold on to these severely outdated gun rights are also the most likely to do something senseless and violent with them. And once again, all those on the right are saying that no legislation would have ever helped. Yet there's other countries where they have one mass shooting then immediately go fuck this and put in restrictive laws and then they never have another one. If one actually looks skeptically at the history of gun violence in other countries and the actions taken and the results of those actions in each of those countries, one can see. That the u.s absolutely could do something they just don't want to oh and of course you saw marjorie taylor green say that this wasn't a gun issue it was a mental health issue hmm okay then does that mean you support action on addressing the mental health of your citizens therapy will now have to be a major part of all health plans would she fight to legislate that we all know she would not they refuse to take action on anything and they stop Others who try to take action on anything. For my skeptical segment today, I just want people to think. So I'm going to share two things. The first is a poem, and the second is a satirical article that The Onion edits to fit the current circumstances and republishes sometimes when these tragedies reoccur, as they do again and again and again. First, we have poet Paul Millicheep's poem. He published this under his pseudonym Brian Bilston, on the social medias. It's titled, America is a gun. England is a cup of tea. France, a wheel of ripened brie. Greece, a short squat olive tree. America is a gun. Brazil is a football on the sand. Argentina, Maradona's hand. Germany, an umpa band. America is a gun. Holland is a wooden shoe, Hungary a goulash stew, Australia a kangaroo, America is a gun. Japan is a thermal spring, Scotland is a highland fling, oh better to be anything than America as a gun. Again, that's by Paul Millicheep under his pseudonym, his pseudonym, sorry, Brian Bilston, he can be found on the social medias under both names, I believe. This next bit is an article from The Onion, a very well-known satirical publication. Every now and then, when there is a mass shooting, they pull this article out, edit some of the details, and republish it, which I think is a great idea, as it's spot-on every time. So here we go, beginning with the headline. No way to prevent this, says Only Nation Where This Regularly Happens. Uvalde, Texas. In the hours following a violent rampage in Texas in which a lone attacker killed at least 21 individuals and injured several others, citizens living in the only country where this kind of mass killing routinely occurs reportedly concluded Tuesday that there was no way to prevent the massacre from taking place. This was a terrible tragedy, but sometimes these things just happen, and there's nothing anyone can do to stop them, said Idaho resident Kathy Miller, echoing sentiments expressed by tens of millions of individuals who reside in a nation where over half of the world's deadliest mass shootings have occurred in the past 50 years, and whose citizens are 20 times more likely to die of gun violence than those of other developed nations. It's a shame, but what can we do? There really wasn't anything that was going to keep this individual from snapping and killing a lot of people if that's what they really wanted. At press time, residents of the only economically advanced nation in the world where roughly two mass shootings have occurred every month for the past eight years were referring to themselves and their situation as helpless. This satire article is right on par with real life, isn't it? Nobody is coming for your precious guns. Nobody was ever coming for your guns. What they want are rules and regulations so that a hormonal imbalanced 18-year-old can't go out and buy two assault rifles on a whim. These Second Amendment fans, who don't give a shit about the First Amendment, by the way, they need to grow the fuck up and look at reality. Oh, and stop having gun-celebrating rallies immediately after these mass shootings. Jesus Christ, every fucking time. It's like they want to rub it in the faces of those who've lost their loved ones. Stop listening to the excuses made by the NRA and those on the right. Skeptical inquiry will show you that restrictions and regulations actually do work. Taking the pacifiers away from the babies is the only thing that ever will work. If your registering or giving up a gun is going to make your whole world fall apart, then you have much deeper problems to be considering. Maybe go back to episode 60 and learn a bit about mental health. Fuck these gun advocates and be skeptical, damn it! I love material sciences. I love knowing that there are always people out there working to create materials that conduct better or absorb better or that can replace another material that may have a worse environmental impact. Recently, I learned a bit about this new foam made from wood-based cellulose nanocrystals. A wood-based foam was a new one for me, but the properties of the final product are irrefutable. Researchers at the Materials Science and Engineering Department at Nanjing Tech University conducted this study in hopes of producing a material that would be robust, reflect sunlight, passively release heat, and keep heat from passing through buildings. What they came up with is pretty much a home run. The wood-based foam is thermally insulating. It reflects 96% of visible light. It's lightweight. It can be applied to both rooftops and outer walls. It can reduce cooling energy needs in buildings by more than one-third, and it emits absorbed heat. That's success! Even better is that the foam can be compressed to adjust for use in different climates. While I did read about the process of creating this new foam, it was too technical for me to get into on the show. But if it interests you, just Google wood-based foam and I bet you'll find something on it right away. The researchers published this on May 18th in the journal Nano Letters, which I'm not familiar with, but I don't spend a lot of time researching nanosciences, so that could just be a gap in my journal knowledge. So on episode 60, I talked about the wild pigs heading to Edmonton. Well, somehow I missed that we're having the same issue right here in Manitoba now. What the fuck, doc? Earlier this month, which is May as I record this, Manitoba Pork, the federal government of Canada and the provincial government of Manitoba began a squeal on pigs campaign here as well. On episode 60, I talked about the campaign of the same name going on in Alberta. Right now, 96% of the Manitoba wild pigs are in the southwest part of the province around Spruce Woods Provincial Park. That does not mean they won't spread. Just like Alberta, they're a disease threat to our livestock, which has the potential of costing our province billions in exports as well. Don't forget they also carry diseases that can be passed to humans or our pets. Other than their nice little pigloos, they pretty much destroy everything, wherever they go. And according to Ryan Brooke of the University of Saskatchewan, who has been studying them for 12 years, they are absolutely dangerous. If one is in your area, watch your pets and kids very closely. They are massive. They have very sharp tusks, and they will charge people. If you see one, do not approach it. Get in a car or a building as quickly as possible and report it. To report sightings, and I really hope you will, please call 1-833-SPOT-PIG, which is one 776 8744 While I will be including some facts in the segment and links to a couple of studies in the show notes, This is probably going to contain a lot of personal opinion based on experience. If you are an employer or in management, how do you treat those you employ or manage? If you are the one employed, how do your employers and managers treat you? If you're responsible for the rules and regulations of your corporation, how do they affect the overall positivity of the work environment being provided? I've seen managers who make everyone around them miserable. And I've seen managers who make everyone feel valued. I've seen the difference that can make in those who actually do the work for the company. What a company gets out of their employees is definitely affected by the type of management they are under. Same with general rules for a company. For example, there are places that knock off 15 minutes if someone punches in one minute late or one minute early. Then there are places where not only is that not done and every minute paid out, but time is rounded up in some cases. The latter end up with employees who feel valued and are more loyal to the company they work for. Happier employees always end up being good for a company, particularly when it comes to production. I believe that should be taken into account a lot more when it comes to management. The people above management should be reviewing them annually by interviewing the people who work under said management. They are the ones who may have stopped caring and thus stopped being very productive because of a bad apple overseeing them or they're the ones who may go above and beyond because they feel valued and want to do good by their managers. In the end, nobody else can tell you better if your management is worth what you're paying them than those that they manage. Beginning with some of the negatives. An employee who feels constantly at risk of ridicule or punishment is going to be anxious all the time and will very likely not care so much about the people or the company they work for. In some cases, they may even build up resentment to their superiors. There will be no loyalty from these employees. Loyalty is something that has to be earned. Also, anxiety and stress lead to difficulty concentrating, and that can lead to errors which no company wants to see. Workplace violence and harassment or bullying of any kind will obviously make for an unhappy environment, and that means people not wanting to be there and more likely to not show up or to quit without notice. Even if you are not involved in an altercation, volatile situations among others can be extremely distracting and uncomfortable. My current place of employment is amazing, but I've been there for 23 years, and it wasn't always amazing. It took a while to get to the great place it is today. There was a time when the team leaders in the building were all at odds with each other. It would be unprofessional to verbally have it out in the back in front of their subordinates, right? So guess where they would go to fight? They would come up front and stand between my office and the reception desk. Two walls of my office are windows. I couldn't look up without seeing them yelling at each other, and if I had to go see our receptionist for something or if she had to come see me, we had to walk through them. I fucking hated it, and so did she. After a couple months of this, I think someone finally realized what they were doing to us, because while they still came up front, they started going out the front doors and having their arguments outside instead. That was definitely better, but still, there was so much volatility. It wasn't a good look for the company at all. In my mind at the time, I couldn't help but wonder if this was where I wanted to stay. Never having one's good work acknowledged will also lead to an unsatisfying work life. A manager who never acknowledges the good work but is first to make a huge deal out of a small mistake is not a good manager. If all someone hears about are the negatives, where is their motivation going to come from? These environments can actually cause poor mental health, and that can cause distraction, lack of focus, and other things, which can lead to errors and negatively affect productivity. The worst manager I ever had, and absolutely the worst manager for my mental health that I ever experienced... He did not have the ability to say someone was right about something, anything. It didn't matter how correctly you just stated something. He would say, no, and then repeat what you just said. And if you said, that's what I just said, his response would be, no, you didn't. And it would just end there because what's the point of continuing on with a person like that, right? Shit, I don't know if that made sense. So here's a simplified example of a conversation between me and this manager. Me. So here's my calculation. Two plus two equals four, right? Him. No. Look. See? Two plus two equals four. Me. That's what I said. Him. No, you didn't. Me. Blank stare. That was every fucking day with this person and i never felt so deflated than when working under someone who just did not have the ability to ever acknowledge that i was ever right about anything my mental health in those years under him was absolute shit and my home life was great at the time it all stemmed from work dissatisfied employees who feel undervalued get less work done and let's face it if spending your days there makes you unhappy you're going to be way more likely to call in sick when you're not A happier work environment is created when the employees feel valued, encouraged, and supported. When people are allowed to express themselves or to grow, learn, and advance in a job, it does wonders for the self-confidence, which for many people will make them even better at what they do. When someone's ideas are heard and opinions are valued, it will affect how they feel about going in every day. Things as simple as manners can even make a difference. Yes, you're their boss. And yes, this is their job. But there's no reason why you can't still say please and thank you at the appropriate times. When managers never use these words, it appears to their subordinates that they think they're too good to have to use their words, and it can make it easier to dehumanize them, to just view them as the shitty management. There will be no respect in these cases, no urge to please. A great way to improve workplace happiness is to allow for work-life balance. And just being understanding that sometimes people get sick can make a huge difference in how a person feels about coming in when they are well. While rules are important, that written in stone shit that some corporations do creates fear and resentment. There will always be extenuating circumstances. There always has to be nuance. One can never tell what situation might come up that may have to be looked at separately, and again, acknowledge good work. Don't only speak up when something is wrong. Let people know when they do well. Oh, and I know not everyone can do this, but if you can have dogs in your place of work, it's fucking awesome. Nothing gets everyone smiling like a happy pup prancing down the hall. We are very lucky that way at our plant. These happier workers want to do right by their employers, in part because they appreciate their happier work environment. They will put more effort into being better, faster, and more efficient. These happier workers are more likely to become passionate about the company and their part in it. They are more likely to want to contribute to the success of their department. Positive environments inspire better attitudes and creativity in problem solving. Happier employees are way more likely to work well together when required and way more likely to have friendly work relationships. Having a camaraderie with the people you spend your days with will make those days less stressful overall. And I can tell you that when a client enters the workspace, they are much more impressed by a friendly air than one of misery. Clients prefer to deal with happier people. That's just a fact. And studies have also shown that happy salesmen tend to make more sales. One study, I'll have to copy the link in the comments when I put up the show notes because it's super long, but this study found that happy employees are up to 20% more productive than unhappy ones. A Swarthmore College study showed that people were better decision makers when not dealing with fear and or anxiety. The Social Market Foundation's happiness study had a control group and a group that was treated to snacks and 10 minutes of funny videos. The group that got the snacks and videos was more engaged and 12% more productive when they returned to work than the control group. This is another time it would suck to be the control group. I realize they don't know it at the time, but when it's all done and they find out that other group got snacks and videos, that would kind of suck. Oh shit, I almost missed this one. Get this, when companies end up on Fortune's best companies to work for list, stock prices inevitably go up. These things are not just good for the employees, but very, very good for the companies they work for. The loyalty a company will get out of happier employees is huge. When people truly enjoy their work environment, they are more likely to stick around through the tough times. I've seen this. If you are responsible for your work environment, take the happiness of your workers into account. They are the ones making things happen. They are the ones keeping things running. They are the ones making the deadlines. And all of these things are more likely to go smoothly if they are simply treated like valued human beings. It's the easiest and cheapest way in the universe to actually increase production. And also, isn't making people's work environments better simply a good thing to do for people overall? I've got another book for my positive segment today. It would be downright irresponsible to let Pride Month go by without mentioning this new gem I discovered. This is yet another discovery I made through my work. I saw the History Comics title come through now and then, but never put much thought into them. Then one day I saw the title... History Comics, The Stonewall Riots, Making a Stand for LGBTQ Rights. That got me curious enough to Google it. Sometimes by the time the people in our plant are working on a title, there's already some sort of promotional material available online. In this case, I was able to find a place to pre-order it. It looked beautiful, and this is a fantastic topic. So I took the plunge and placed a pre-order. Then I forgot all about it. A package arrived in the mail in May, and I had no idea what it could be. I'm not the sort to order so much online that I lose track of things coming in, so I was very confused. That quickly turned to joy, however. Not only was it the book I pre-ordered, but it was absolutely beautiful. It's a gorgeous hardcover graphic novel, one of those books that just feels good to hold, you know? I read a lot digitally these days. Some of the reason is cost and some of the reason is space. But some books are just so nice to have and hold in hardcopy versions, and this is definitely one of those books. On top of all that, the story was fun, the characters were lovable, and it includes some of my favorite activists. My very simple summary would be that it's about an elder queer individual who brings some queer young adults of today back in time to see how things were different and what it took for change. I am positively thrilled to have this physical book on my shelf. History Comics is a series, though I have not read any of the other titles so cannot vouch for them the way I can this one. Beautifully told, beautifully illustrated beautifully bound. Again, the title of this one is The Stonewall Riots, Making a Stand for LGBTQ Rights. Happy Pride, everybody! Thank you for listening. May your health and sanity be replenished daily. My eternal gratitude goes out to the following people. Jason Martin for helping me get started on this project two years ago. I wouldn't be doing this right now if not for him. Kathy Rayner for her musical contribution on the violin paul palmer for his musical contribution on the guitar he can be found at wpg suitcase drummer on instagram or playing with toad turner dustin harder for composing and recording the new intro and outro you heard today you can find him on facebook at toad turner the chronicles instagram at prairie soul music or see him playing live with toad turner And finally, thank you to my family who puts up with me hiding in my bedroom, reading articles, and making notes for hours at a time so I can do this podcast thing, because I really do enjoy it. This is my mid-year break, so I hope you will choose to join me again in four weeks for episode 64 of Living Through Extinction. If you enjoy Living Through Extinction and would like to support the show, please enter the contest. There are lots of easy ways to get entries. Just do one easy thing for one entry or take the time to do several easy things for several entries. Each of the following actions will get you an entry. Rate the show on iTunes for an entry. An additional entry if you comment when you rate on iTunes. Like the prize package photo or the prize announcement post and get an entry for each like on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Share the prize package photo or the prize announcement post and get up to three entries for sharing on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter comment under the where are you from post and get up to three entries for commenting on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter Not on social media? Send me an email at livingthroughextinction@gmail.com at gmail.com and put contest entry in the subject line So many things you can do and I'll be forever grateful if you do just one Please...